You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. We have Bob Lachance on, and I'm going to make sure everybody has your contact information right off the bat, Bob. But we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about how we're going to be running your real estate investing as an actual business, how to outsource a few things so that we can focus on on some things. And in fact, now you're probably familiar with the book Traction, and I've been revisiting <laughs> some of that concepts uh, lately as well. Um, and then we. Um, uh, especially going to have to spend a little time. I, we were chatting just before this conversation. Bob used to be a professional hockey player. And of course, one thing leads to another. And I got to brag about my daughter for a minute playing <laughs> a little hockey. But um, it, I'm always absolutely fascinated how people move from one profession at 360 to another. I mean, that there's got to be a story there. Um, but I really appreciate your time. But if you would like to learn more regarding Bob or Connect, make sure you go to Reva Global. That's R-E-V-A-G-L-O-B-A-L.com. And I'm imagining you're you're probably pretty active on LinkedIn as well, right? Yes, absolutely. So we're on LinkedIn. We're uh, all over the internet. Uh, my direct email address, you can send me an email at bob at rivaglobal.com as well. Uh, also, you can find us on Facebook. So, well, let's let's start right off the bat with that concept that you're a professional hockey player playing for the St. Louis Blues organization. Um, how did you go from professional hockey to real estate? And I know you've been doing fix and flipping and everything, so we could probably go in a million directions here today, but there's got to be a story there. Yeah, no, for sure. So I started in 2004, so I've been in this for, what, 17 plus years. Um when I left, so I went to Boston University as well, um, and, but I left two classes short. This actually plays into the story. I left two classes short before getting my degree with the thought of, hey, you know, I'm going to play pro. I could always go back to school. Well, unfortunately, fast forward eight years after I played pro, never went back to school. So I had uh, a decision, either I'm going to go back. I live in Connecticut, so I'm going to go back to Boston um, and take those two classes or jump into an industry that doesn't need a degree, no barriers of entry, which is real estate investing. So did a lot of research uh, on invest, investing, read some books, read some courses, et cetera. So I decided, hey, you know what? I'd rather jump into real estate investing than go back to school. So um, that was my decision, either, either uh, you know, take the time out of my schedule to go back to school or jump into uh, this industry. And I decided this industry. You know, I, I, I'm always curious too, you know, based on your experience, I mean, playing hockey, especially at a professional level, you, the, the level of dedication is just unreal to me. I mean, uh, that you probably had went through, can you maybe spend a little time talking about some of what you learned in, in professional sports and how you've applied it to real estate investing? Absolutely. And, and the transition wasn't easy. I'll be honest with you. You know, it's it, whenever somebody jumps from one industry to another, it's never without its bumps and bruises, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, when you're playing professional sports, you have a schedule every day. You have a, a strength and conditioning 
coach telling you what to do every day. You have a coach telling you what to do every day. You're, you know, you're very disciplined in what you eat, very disciplined of what you do off the ice, whether it's working out, whether it's, um, you know, uh, nutrition, et cetera. So you're very, very aware of what happens in those in those times. So then when you transition to a work life and especially real estate investing, um, I had zero systems. I didn't even know what marketing was. I didn't know what, you know, rehabbers were. I didn't know anything. It's only when I learned from a book. Um, but one of the things that I did learn when I was taught uh, playing professional hockey is, you know what, work ethic, always move forward. Always take one step in front of your body and you're going to get momentum no matter what it is. So mm -hmm. that transitioned over to the real estate investing side where, you know, it's kind of funny. You have to learn. You, you need some sort of real estate education uh, before you jump in full you know, full bore into investing because there's a lot of different niches. You could, you know, you could be a rehabber, you could be a wholesaler, you could be a real estate agent, right? You could be a property manager, buy and hold. There's a lot of different niches in real estate investing. Um, I first jumped in, uh, I was a rehabber. So I learned how to farm areas and drive around neighborhoods and, you know, identify if the, there was any kind of um, distress out there where high grass, et cetera. So, um, I did that for my literally right when I started investing and uh, I would call on one of the good things is I would call on everybody. I wasn't scared to hear a no. I wasn't scared uh, to call a real estate agent and sound uh, uneducated. It didn't matter to me. I knew, hey, this was the 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 path I wanted to go into. So I know that I'm going to get beat up you know, a couple of days, but um, I was picking up the phone and I was very active and let everyone know what I, what I wanted to do. Hey, I'm a rehabber. So I'll call on this one property. Um, it was listed uh, for 175,000. I put an offer at 135, right? And a lot of people, especially newer individuals are nervous to make lower offers because they're scared of the response they're going to get. Mm -hmm. um, my feedback is, you know, do yourself a favor. Don't be scared because it's just a no. Um, and you never know when you're going to get a yes, because in this this particular situation, um, the homeowner was going through a divorce. I didn't know, right? I went through an agent, I put an offer and they ended up accepting it. So did a rehab, made $32,000 on my first rehab. But I also realized I knew nothing about real estate investing. I got lucky, right? I found rehabbers, I found money, et cetera. Um, then I joined my local real estate investment association. Um, and there was a speaker that was speaking on pre-foreclosures. Um, that's properties that are that are over-debted, um, which means that the property debt would be 200000 but the value would be 150. So I learned um, from a speaker uh, on how to do that. And then I, um, I also learned from a mentor. I got a mentor right away in my local market. And um, you know, we just hit the ground running. And I, I did short sales for a long time after that. So that's just a little bit of a, you know, kind of mm. my story. Well, I mean, there was a lot of of reinforced lessons there that I'm sure some of some of my listeners are kind of tired to hear me me mentioning. First of all, you you were talking about making those dials and making those calls. It's that persistent, consistent behavior that eventually gets you where you want to go. I've yeah. I've even gone to the point of suggesting that people should uh, take an inventory of those uh, money making activities that they can focus on, pay attention to. And if it's not on that list, if it's not making you direct money, you don't do it during business hours. You find, you do those after hours. 
but I really like that you've that. I mean, that's exactly what you did. You you were making those dials, finding that thing, finding that next opportunity. But once you do this a few times, you eventually start to have that track record where you know every one in ten, one in fifty is is a yes. And every yep. time, once you learn that, learn those, learn how many how many people you have to talk to. Every no is just. I see it as every no is just one step closer to finding that yes. You're just Absolutely. one step. You've just removed another hurdle to get to that next yes. Yeah, and and I'll add to that too. And it's important because when you start, you never know where you're going to end. It's very, very important. Real estate investing takes you on different tracks, right? When I first started real estate, I was a rehabber. Then we negotiated, uh, me and my partner after that, I found a partner, we negotiated over, well, probably over seven, eight, 900 short sale transactions. Mm -hmm. Then we helped start a coaching couple real estate education programs. One of the biggest ones that ended up um, being around right now, we helped start that one. And then I turned into, while investing, I also started a real estate trained virtual assistant company out of the Philippines. So there's a lot of different avenues that you, me, anybody will take within their journey. It just takes you getting going. And like you said, you got to hammer the phones. You got to dial. Don't worry about a no because a no leads to a yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so uh, that does lead me into the situation. You have obviously have had a lot of things going on. And it sounds like you've you've taken up taken the opportunity to follow those pursuits where where the path leads you. Um, I think that's an ideal situation because what most people do when they get into real estate investing, they jump in head first. They don't focus on anything in particular. They spread themselves too thin. Whereas, let the deal find the avenue of disposition where you're where you're you're. You're fixing it. You're flipping it. You're wholesaling it. You're doing something with it versus spreading out too thin. What you focus on is what typically grows. Absolutely. And, and I could add to that too. One of the things, so going back the years, one of the, some advice I'll give somebody that's newer is start buying a property to hold. It doesn't mean like you could flip properties, but you flip and then keep. Flip, flip, mm-hmm. flip, keep. It's very important because before you know it, 17 years is going to go by and you'll be able to look back and be like, wow, I actually have 20 doors. I have 30 doors. I have 40 doors. And then you're going to have that consistent cash flow coming in. You know, you find, and this is what I find, um, you know, a lot of people that use our virtual assistants, a lot of them are wholesalers, but we're also buddies because um, off of work stuff, we're also uh, members of uh, different masterminds as well. But what you find is that the most successful wholesalers also cherry pick and buy and hold a property. Same mm-hmm. with a lot of flippers because um, what happens is you kind of get in that rat race. You're making a lot of money. It's really fun because money is a drug. Once you start flipping, you're like, whoo, I just closed one, 10 grand, all of a sudden 20, 30, 40, 50. But the challenge you run into is at the end of the year, you're paying the tax man a lot of that money rather than going to buy an asset that's always going to be spitting out money for you. So um, to your point, 100%, you have to be focused um, starting off and know if you get into wholesaling, you're going to lead to opportunities to buy, fix, and flip as well. Right? So there's a Mm -hmm. lot of things to 100% look at because there's a lot of shiny objects out there. You know, be focused on what you want to start 
it's okay if you change paths once you're, you know, once you have a certain level of success in that one thing that you started for, just like you were saying. So, you know, that does lead me to this next question then, because it sounds like you've, you've taken advantage of, of where the market has taken you, you know, um, before we hit record, you mentioned last year, you did 60 fix and flips. You can't be doing the the volume you're doing without scaling yep. and, and focusing on your business. What have you found is, was your biggest barrier when it came to scaling to that level? You know, it takes a team. It doesn't matter what business, any entrepreneur, um, they could, they could be a lone wolf, but they're only going to be so successful. If you do everything yourself, um, there's a ceiling, 100% of ceiling. That's okay if you want to do that. But if you want to um, continue to grow, continue to um, build your wealth, it, it, in my opinion, it takes a team. And every business that I've started, every business that I run, whether it's my real estate investment company, I have a partner there. Whether it's on my virtual assistant company, Right, my wife is my partner, but we have a team. We have over two hundred, uh, four hundred seventy-five virtual assistants right now, um, around the or, or around um, the world, if you will. So it's very, very important to know that you're only as good as your team. Um, mm-hmm. And that, and again, this is just my opinion. I've always been part of teams. I played, you know, ice hockey for all my life. Played professional hockey, like you said before. But um, you know. If you have, think about this, in any sport, right? If you're basketball, if you're uh, if you're a Michael Jordan, you can't win with just Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's he was the best ever that ever played. But guess what? He had a supporting cast. He had the Dennis Rodmans. He had the Scotty Pittmans, etc. So you need the supporting cast. Same thing in real estate investing. There's no difference. Right. So um, just before we before we uh, move on any further, I wanted to remind everybody again: go to Rev. Revaglobal.com, R-E-V-A-G-L-O-B-A-L.com for more information, especially regarding this real estate virtual assistance. But when when you started this company for the virtual assistance, I mean, that typically, I'm guessing, was born out of your need for a virtual a good, a good virtual assistance that was familiar with real estate investing. Absolutely. And, and I, I did mention to help start uh, two different national coaching programs. And one of them, one of the coaching programs um, that we're doing also in our real estate investing company, one of the biggest needs um, is to try to find more time in your day. Because, you know, when, when either if you're working part time or full time or you're doing this full time, there's always one thing that creeps up and it is time. There's always mm-hmm. time constraints on everything. So, you know, it took me years to figure out all right, how do we offer? How do we create more time in our day? And it was affordable outsourcing. So in 2013, I got introduced to what a virtual assistant was. I never even knew, to be honest, I never even knew what a virtual assistant was. And then someone brought it to my attention and said, hey, you know, there's individuals all over the world and in different countries um, that could actually do this for you. I live in Connecticut. You have, you, it's high wages here in Connecticut. So if I had to hire someone locally, it'd be it'd be unaffordable for small businesses. So um, I got introduced to that industry, and then a light bulb went on and said, you know what, um, I'm going to start working with virtual system myself. But if I need it, there's a bigger need out there for every real estate investor, every property manager, every uh, real estate agent out there. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where where it started. Sure. So, you know, could you, could you spend a little time, you know, because we're all have 
I, I think we've had various degrees of experience with virtual assistants. What I what makes this attractive is that it sounds like they're going to have some more background in the industry than the somebody you're going to find on Fiverr. Um, yep. What 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 kind of training or, or what do you do to get them ready to work with Absolutely. real estate investors? So all my virtual assistants are the Philippines. Um, Philippines. The reason why I pick Philippines, I tried all over the all over the world. Um, English is one of their national uh, languages. That's first and foremost. Um, I find that they have a neutral uh, neutral accent as well. Um, and the way they grow up, um, they're a very loving culture, right? They look at your business as their business and very very caring. So, for me personally, there's a lot of um, customer service call centers out there. Um, in the Philippines. So a lot of them learn this stuff growing up. So for me personally, in, in the help that we need, whether it's um, social media management, whether it's cold calling, whether it's following up, etc., all of those tasks in and of itself are things that are very, very normal for the Philippine culture. Um, but to get, to get back to your question, we actually, um, we train for a month straight. So anywhere between um, three weeks to a month of training our virtual assistants. So we have our own sourcing and recruiting department in the Philippines, which moves then into our training department. So not everybody that we source or we, um, or we recruit gets through to our training team. Um, we go through thousands of applications per month just to get to the cream of the crop of the best of the best virtual assistants that even make it into our training department. Then mm -hmm. they go through, like I said, three weeks to a month of training and not everyone gets through. So we weed out the individuals that uh, would not be good for me or would not be good for you. And then they go right to our, we call it a placements team. Um, placements team is like match.com as an example. They'll look to exactly see what qualities and what type of tasks that you want your virtual assistants to do. And then they'll match that virtual assistant up with the tasks that you want. Then it moves over into our, uh, our ops team, um, which we have, we call a client service manager that manages the relationship between you and your virtual assistant, handles all HR, et cetera. So that's just a little bit of overview, but we go through about three weeks to a month of training uh, virtual assistants for our clients. Yeah. Could you give us some examples of, of what is a common, some of those common activities that they can do for you? Absolutely. Social media marketing, um, you know, uh, jumping on Facebook, building a buyer's list. Um, also cold calling. There's a lot of phone work being done because one of the challenges that um, we see with a lot of investors um, is, you know, sitting on the phone, if I'm going to grab my phone and be on the phone all day long, it drains your energy. It is mm. tiring. You know, to, to generate leads, to see if individuals are interested in selling their property, that takes a lot of time. So if you're the principal in your business and you're doing that all day long, you will get drained. So what I found from the years and years and years of, of doing this. I did this first when I first started real estate. Um, I would door knock and then I would go home. I would skip trace, try to find out those individuals that I door knock, where the, what their phone number is, and I would call. I would call for three hours a day, every single day from Monday through Friday. And that burns you out pretty quick. So you got cold calling, text messaging, they can manage direct mail, um, they could pull lists for you, they could run comps, um, property management companies use our, ours to uh, um, uh, do leasing, lease renewals, et cetera. 
So I know I lay down lay down a lot. If you want to ask questions about that, I could go on forever. Yeah, no. Well, we could spend quite a bit of time on this. So um, I'm always curious too. Are, is is do you get like a, a dedicated resource? Is it is it shared? How does and if it's shared, how does that work? Yep. So we offer full time or part time virtual assistants. So a part time virtual assistant would be 20 hours a week, and a full time would be 40 hours a week. And they're dedicated to you. So if you have a part time virtual assistant working for you, um, we promise and we um, aim to give our virtual assistants full time work. So they'll they'll be 20 hours with you and 20 hours with me. Obviously, mm-hmm. not in the same hours. So a part time full time model. Yeah, no, that, that's especially important. Like I've I've worked with a, a virtual assistant company at one point, and it it kind of was more of a pool of resources, right? And it never gave me an opportunity to to have anybody understand how I worked, how I wanted to handle certain things. Um, we we use certain sales strategies when we make phone calls that we we would like to incorporate, and it it was more of along the lines they'd answer the phone. And a script would pop up on their screen and they're just reading it. And it sounds red. I mean, it's not. And that's the difference, right? You have, you have some kind of group style call center style um, companies, or you have one-on-one. I found that the one-on-one model for us and um, all of our clients works out very, very well. And for my own business uh, works out extremely well. So, well, you know, being in the Philippines, this, you know, and, and being dedicated like this, I, I, I really don't have an, a barometer as to how, how expensive something like this is. I mean, it, it sounds, it's almost sounds, uh, on the too good to be true when it comes to some of the situations there. What I, I hate to put you on the spot, but pricing, how reasonable is that? Not at all. I'll, I'll explain it. So for full time, it's $9 and 60 cents an hour. Uh, part-time, it's $10.60 an hour. Um, we pay for all the benefits for our virtual assistants. We have the best insurance in the Philippines. Um, so, you know, no one has to shoulder that. Um, all of the bonus money that you want to give to your virtual assistant goes right to them. So it's very, very easy. $10.60 an hour for part-time, uh, $9.60 an hour for full-time. Well, um, okay. Well, that sounds very reasonable, especially when you're taking care of everything else. I mean, hire somebody in the United States for that. Um, yep. uh, Unless you're in, uh, (laughs) unless you're a resident restaurant, I don't see that happening. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny. So we had, um, I used to have a, um, a used appliance company as well. So I do some off investing and our cleaners for our used appliance were $12.50 an hour, um, and none of them could speak English. So mm-hmm. the the challenge of finding anybody local um, is slim to none for that amount of money. So, um, and this is just, this is $10.06 an hour. We pay for everything else. So, you know, so if you have a, an employee here, um, you're paying for taxes, you're paying for whatever else you're going to be paying. So it's pretty interesting how um, that works. Also, the virtual model works well, because you're not paying for desk space, you're not paying for, you know, uh, their cell phone, etc. Sure. You know, how, how hard is it, you know, let's say you d- did a part time thing, you know, do, have you found that a lot of your VAs when they're not being actively told what to do, like they, they find things to do? Like it's not something that's just ticking away the the bill. 
Yeah, no, great question. So we have a client service manager that actually manages manages the relationship. So we have our virtual assistants send out end of day reports to make sure that you know exactly what they did that day. So our client service manager, along with you, will look at the end of day report to say, wow, well, you called, um, let's say you cold called uh, 400 calls one day. Next day you called 200. So now the client service manager and you, you have a, a conduit to say, hey, what happened there? Was it a, a, a you know, why was it 400 one day, 200 the other? So we have a stopgap in exactly what you're saying, which is extremely important. I think, you know, that is one of the things how we separate ourselves from a lot of the other companies is we have, you know, a second line that will help you manage your virtual system. Sure. You know, so we're gonna, I'm going to shift the conversation back just a hair back to uh, scaling and, and treating this real estate investing as a business. Um, but I'm going to focus on mindset because I think we're talking about a pretty significant mindset shift for people when they're considering something like this and scaling for the first time. Um, first of all, you're probably the jack of all trades right now. You're doing everything yourself. You've hit a plateau and you need to let your baby go a little bit. So having that confidence in somebody else to do some of those tasks, would you would you say that's that's probably one of the barriers you're dealing with? Yeah, you know it's funny you say that. So there's so much stuff to do as a as a business owner. I mean, you know that, right? With with just having a podcast, there's so many moving parts to get that podcast to the air, right? Mm -hmm. um, same thing with investing in real estate. You know, you have you have your marketing, right? So you have to set up that marketing, whether it's a, a direct mail, cold calling, text messaging, um, Facebook ads, whatever, whatever you're going to do, you have your marketing. And if you don't have any marketing, you don't have a business because you don't have leads coming in. That's typically how that works. So those are a set of tasks under one department. Then that goes to, hey, once the phone rings, that needs to go to your acquisition team. So now you need, and this is, again, this is, everybody has all these hats at the beginning. Then you have to take that call you have to really vet it. You have to see if it's a lead. And if it is a lead, you're going to set an appointment for yourself to go meet at that property, right? So mm -hmm. now you're taking a lot of time out of your day. Now you have to negotiate the contract. You have to write the contract. You have to make the offer. Once it's accepted, now you have you know transaction coordinating work. You got to call your attorney, your title company, right? You got to line up funding depending on your exit strategy. If it's a wholesale, you have to now, again, pick up the phone because you already have to have a buyer's list and you now have to sell that deal to a buyer. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of moving parts. And if it's a rehab, you know, we could go off on, you know, working with your, your uh, contractor team, but there's a lot of moving parts to, to your point. There's a lot of moving parts in this business that you have to start getting off of your plate to get a life back, right? Time is our, our biggest challenge in any, in any entrepreneur. Yeah. No, I, I wanted to take a second too to remind everybody that the reason we typically have gotten into real estate investing is to earn back some more time. I mean, we, we don't get into typically get into real estate investing to essentially give yourself a 120 hour a week job. I mean, we're we're trying to recapture some time. And uh, this is a great way in which to do that. And sometimes you have to decide to let a few things go. Um, yep. So uh, one more time, I wanted to remind everybody, revaglobal.com. I'll make sure to have those links in the show notes, as well as Bob's uh, 
contact information uh, regarding the social networks. But I do have uh, a couple last uh, questions for you here, Bob. Um, one of them is, now that you've had real, been in real estate investing for as long as you have, doing 60 or more fix and flips in a year, what is the one thing that you've learned now that you wish you would have known when you first started? Start keeping earlier. And that is, you know, you, you look back and it, that's a great question because um, no matter what industry is, that's a fantastic question. If I look back and I could, I could um, you know, kind of see into the future, it would be holding because there's a lot of benefits from it. I mean, you look at appreciation alone in this weird market we're in. If you bought back in 04 or you bought in 11, or if you bought whatever prices back then, they seemed high. It always, the prices always seem high, no matter what. It doesn't matter. You're like, oh, it seems high. But now they're really high. So mm -hmm. in, if you're paying down debt and your, your, um, your rental income is positive, you know, I'll go, I won't go anything lower than $300 per month per door. That's just something that we do here. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it. Think about it. After 30, 40 doors, that's $12,000 at least per month. That's today. But in 10 years, what is that going to be? Right. right. That 12 is going to be $20,000. So it's really just being very disciplined in holding some stuff. That's, that's what I would have done back in the day. Sometimes it's a little painful to hold that first property, but do it. I promise you, you will be happy. Yeah. Start holding earlier. And then lastly, is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today? Uh, Good question. Maybe one of them is, uh, what would you do first if you're a newer investor, if that's your crowd? Um, and I think my answer would be, get started. Stop making excuses because there's so many. You know, you have, you know, you have, you have you have the devil and the angel on your shoulder, right? One is saying, go, 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 start, start, start. The other one's like, well, you know what? Maybe wait. Maybe wait. Don't, don't procrastinate. Um, Real estate investing has made and has changed so many people's lives in the positive way. Um, and it has done that for me personally. It's allowed me to um, offer a service throughout the process, which is a virtual assistant company, which if I never started in, in real estate investing, I would never be able to offer the service and use my virtual assistants to my own business. So I would say don't procrastinate and, and get started. No. Great advice. Well, I can't thank you enough, Bob. Um, and uh, you're always welcome back. And uh, I'll make sure to include all the links in the show notes, but uh, let's keep in touch. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you again. And uh, you know, wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated, along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time, and tell a friend.